Well worth checking out, though, because it's quite an interesting read. It's by a psychologist named Jamil Zaki. Mm-hmm. What they are doing is researching empathy, and they teamed up with um, a researcher at Stanford to look at whether virtual reality can help foster empathy with people. So basically, what they did is because they're based in um, you know near Silicon Valley and so forth, and as you know, homelessness is a huge problem in San Francisco. Yes. So they decided to make that their project. So what they did was they built a virtual reality headset for people to wear that took them through a homeless person's journey into like losing their rental apartment and all the things that led to them being homeless and all their experiences uh, and so forth. The control group they also had an exercise in empathy, but that was basically about like reading about the same person's journey. Yes. And then they compared them and they found that both groups of people had heightened amounts of empathy. But when they actually quizzed them on like, would you be willing to sign a petition about San Francisco supporting, you know, measures oh, to, to prevent homelessness, that. the people who had the virtual reality experience had, had higher levels of empathy and were more willing to sign the petition than, than the other people. Yes. What did you make of that research? I sent it to the Sacreds, which are my nieces and nephews, to get the, their the feedback. The Sacreds? On. Yes, I call oh, them nice. all the Sacreds. And to my brother. And uh, my brother said, well, why aren't people just going out and doing more compassionate work? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, because that's what he's doing now, since he's retired. But I said, not everybody's programmed like you are. Mm-hmm. And I said, now what I'm noticing more and more in Toronto is, is that people don't even see homeless or street people anymore Mm -hmm. they're just like a thrown away coffee cup it's just they just shuffle on by them so um, I I thought it was interesting and I anything that would help increase the um, especially my nephew Taylor who you met yes he said he's all for the idea of using any kind of VR to increase awareness of inequities in the world Mm -hmm. because San Francisco is a particularly hideous place like, did you read about that bus, the Hotel 22? Yeah, it's in this uh, article where there's a bus that's, it's Route 22, but they've kind of nicknamed it Hotel 22 because a lot of, and it just shuttles between two towns overnight. And so a lot of people who are homeless just ride the bus all night because they have no other place to be. Well, the way they outline it in that article is that it seems like, you know, you start off, you can't make your rent. The next thing you know, you're on the street with your belongings. The next thing you know, you have to sell the belongings. The mm-hmm. next thing you know, you're on Hotel 22 bus. Mm-hmm. And you're actually, you're going with other commuters, especially early in the morning. People ride this bus all night long. Yeah. And the bus driver barks out these orders. So it's kind of a frightening look at the future of especially a, a city like San Francisco. Mm-hmm. The but, other thing that was sort of undergirding it is this, this uh, psychologist talks about empathy and how like some people believe that we're actually losing our ability to empathize. Oh, yeah, the statistics that you cited in here, the average person in 20, 
1909 was less empathetic than 75% of people in 1979. Mm -hmm, which is quite an alarming uh, drop. I'm not sure how they measured it, but it's quite uh, shocking. The one thing that I was Pitty. less convinced about, <laughs> the one thing I was less convinced about is they make this tie to people living solo. And I don't really think that people living alone necessarily implies that they're going to be less empathetic. But I certainly think the fact that we are more socially isolated and we don't run into each other as much. Like no. the whole, we did a thing on Spark a while ago about this, about this whole idea of f things being friction free, right? You, yeah. you know, you get everything from an app. You never have to wait in line behind somebody and start a conversation because you've got your phone in front of you. Also, I do think that in, when you're in a big city like Toronto, it can be like a struggle. Like the subways are so busy. It's so crowded. It's so noisy. I make a point of talking to people. You're good. But I mean, sometimes, like, I think sometimes even, you know, people who under other circumstances would be more empathetic start to see other people as like essentially barriers in their way to getting to where they need to be, right? Because they're in such a rush and there's so many people and so forth. Yeah. You mentioned something and I looked him up. I can't remember the guy's name now. Paul Bloom? Was that it? You had him on at Spark, and he wrote a book yeah. um, against apathy that came out. Against uh, empathy, against, yeah. <laughs> against, yeah. Everybody's against apathy. Yeah. yeah, against empathy. I guess it came out in 2016, but it was a huge bestseller. And it looked very interesting. Didn't you have him on a show? I did, yeah. His name is Paul Bloom. He, yeah. His argument I was... I was right. You were. <laughs> his argument was that we don't really need to empathize with people. What we need is rational compassion. Yeah. Right, to think about what is the kind of society that we want, and and how are we going to get there? That empathy is a bit of a canard. Like, it's not really what we need to encourage people to do. But I think if you get people when they're already so hard-hearted that they're not willing to sign a petition to support, you know, homeless shelters, homeless shelters yeah. I don't think telling them to be rationally compassionate is really, like, they may be past the point where you can meet them at that place. One thing that's been interesting, and this is like a complete wool gathering, 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 gathering <laughs> podcast, but the people in Toronto... I don't know so much about people in the country, but the people in Toronto have really banded together against Doug Ford. And I've been talking to all sorts of different people. This is one conversation that people will have with you on the street. Like when you're talking, you're talking to strangers on the street? Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. talking, well, I just ended up in, at the gym yesterday and I ended up yakking with a couple of women that I don't even know. And, but anyway, I don't know. I thought it was an interesting story and it's really, really well worth reading. Yeah, it's well written. It's a long read, but uh, if you have the time, it's Yeah, but it's, it's, it's not it. like boring. No. It's good. <laughs> Okay, now I have something that's kind of fun. This is a little more lighthearted. Yes! Actually, it freaked me out. Did you watch the video? I did watch the video because you told me I had to watch the video, and I was glad that I did. Yeah. It's super creepy on Canny Valley. This well, is what lighthearted passes for us. Super creepy on Canny Valley. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I can just imagine this thing coming at me with knives. <laughs> it's something that um, Ford has created in concert with um, a digital company. We're going moving toward fully automatic cars. So when these self-driving cars are not in service, Ford has put together this little fleet. What they're for is just delivering parcels. Have them go out and deliver stuff for, you know, whoever. It's called Digit. It kind of looks like a grasshopper. Yeah. It's a nice color. It's green. Mm -hmm. yeah. Vaguely human looking, but the the legs, so to speak, are kind of, I see, I know what you mean by grasshoppery. Yeah, because yeah. they sort of, they don't, the knees don't bend where our knees bend, they bend back. They have these really elaborate sensors that are hooked into the cloud, but also hooked into the um, system on the car. Mm -hmm. And it goes like, 
She has a little creepy head looking around. <laughs> kind of like one of those raptors in Jurassic Park going, that's about the closest thing, eh? Only a robotic version. <laughs> Isn't it? Kind I've of? never seen Jurassic Park. Oh I hesitate to admit that. But. Oh, my God. That's it. I'll take your word for it. Yes. But, yeah, so it goes, and it looks for people. And when it saw, like, there was some kid's scooter was on the ground, and it stepped around it, mm-hmm. and it ran into a family. And I thought, bunch in the family, bunch in the family. <laughs> no, I just said, moved to the side, carrying the box, and then it went up the stairs and set the box down, uh-huh. and then went back to the car and folded itself up and slid into the back seat. Yeah, and then the trunk came down and it drove off. <laughs> the thing in that video, when it's on its way to the door and there's a mother and daughter passing on the sidewalk that are smiling away at it, and it's like, you know, designed to demonstrate Nope, nothing creepy about this at all. <laughs> nothing to see here. It was just like, it's like really like you, this, you know, four-year-old girl or whatever is like smiling. Nothing weird here yeah, about this. Yeah. Because didn't it look like it could hold knives and guns and like come up <laughs> and running at you at a great speed? I didn't quite get that far, but there is something a bit eerie about it for sure because it's human-like but not fully. And bug-like. Yeah, and and raptor-like. Bug-like. Yeah, a bit bug-like. But I thought it was amazing that the, the, the strides that have been made in making something that can walk on two legs like a human being is kind of astonishing right it's not that long ago that that was i wanted to see warning warning will robinson but they're it's actually break into their house (laughs) she puts a little pincer hands down it says down the bottom these you know drills come out (laughs) humanoid and I am entering. I am coming to kill you. You know, there have been all these things about, like, Amazon trying to figure out how to uh, engineer, like, safe delivery so that people don't nick your uh, Amazon package off your doorstep. Yeah, yeah, we, your, uh, uh, we were doorstep. talking about that. Mm-hmm. And it made me wonder whether the next step in this kind of thing might be that it has some kind of, like, passkey to your house. Like, because you might not want a strange human walking into your house, but maybe you'd be all right. <laughs> you'd rather have that strange... fucking thing rocking <laughs> Can you imagine coming downstairs naked and that thing's in there? <laughs> You're looking at it, it's looking at you. I wonder who'd run out faster. <laughs> anyway, well worth checking out. the. Yeah. And in, in spite of the creepy thing, this is one case where you really could see the use case. You could totally see this being used in the downtime when autonomous I can see it are. sending it to people's house to scare the <laughs> shit out of them. <laughs> That's the use case I meant. (laughs) (laughs) Check out the links on your phone or at the website, thesniffer.net. Bye. Bye.